Let's turn to Matthew 28 and verse number 18. Matthew 28, 18. Kingdom builders. It's, it's, it's our way that we become proactive. That we are, we are being strategic in our giving. Uh, sometimes I know people say, Pastor, you know, let's not talk about money in church. Do you know that Jesus, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Check me out on this. Jesus talked about money more than heaven. Come on. He didn't have a white suit and a red tie. He wasn't, come on. You know, understand what I'm saying? He wasn't some guy, you know, listen, why? Because what, and I'll talk about what we're going to do on earth determines if we get to heaven. And he understood. I could tell you, I'm, you're relaxed. There's no more offerings. See, we don't, there's no gimmicks about this stuff. All right. We're just, what are we doing? We're realizing that we can be a part of reaching the world as we prayerfully ask God, God, what do you want to do? With my life, with my income, with my finances. You know, everyone could be a part of Kingdom Builders. That's how we did what we did last year. It was really overwhelming. I, I undershot your, your faithfulness. I thought the first year we ever did this, if we, if we gave $180,000 above our tithe to the Lord to, to fund these ministries, that'd be amazing. You guys did 242000 Come on, one more time. Give yourself a hand. Come on, thank God for the faithfulness of this congregation. I, you blew me away. So, you know, I talked to you last week about being stretched. I said, so God, you know, I've told you, what do you do? Plan, vision, dream. You, what do you, how, do, how do I make a faith promise? Well, I, I, I begin to pray, God, what do you want me to do? And I, just like any other financial decision, let me make a plan. I can do this. This is what I can do. And, and I'm going to work my plan. And I'll make a commitment. God, this is what I'm going to do. And, 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 and I'm, I got a plan. I'm going to work the plan. But when you start doing that, something else begins to happen. Vision. You begin to not only look at what I can do, you begin to realize what could God do through me. That verse I read you in First Chronicles 29, we begin to read, wow, how could we be so generous? He said, it all came from you, God. So we begin to take a second look at life and we begin to say, man, not only what's my plan and I'll work my plan, God, I'll be faithful. I'll do this. But what if you got involved in this? You know, that's vision. Not what's in my hand, what's in God's hand. What can I believe that God will do through me? See, so it's not just limited to me. And what do you do with the vision? You write it down and you begin to pray over that vision and look at this thing and walk with it. It becomes real. See, and then the third thing, you know, if you're a planner and, and Proverbs 21, five said, God blesses the plans of the righteous. Then you begin to live by vision. You see what God wants you to see. Then you get to do this thing that only happens when you begin to live like that. And that's God begins to put a dream in your heart. And your dream's so big, I love dreams because you know what? You, you, you work the plan, you write down the vision, but you don't even tell anybody your dream because they'll think you're crazy. It's so big, they're going to laugh at you. So don't tell them. It's between you and God. It's a dream. The dream is the what if. What if God gets in this? What if the Lord gets in this? So, you know, last year, through the faithfulness of God and your obedience, we, we as a church family gave $242,000 to kingdom builders, to local and global missions and young leaders and development outreach. This year, I just prayed and prayed. And I said, God, I, you know, how do you even set a goal? The same way you pray, God, how do I know what to do? And I've just been praying, and I felt like God said, you need to stretch yourself. I said, well, God, these guys already stretched me. He said, now let me stretch you. I said, okay, God. And, and so we're praying and believing next Sunday when we come. We're, we're, we're have, we've had a month to pray. No last minute, no twist your arm, no gimmicks. Just let's pray and walk through this. We're, we're going to uh, actually be able to do what? We're going to come in and make our pledges for this next year. I believe that God's going to help us to do $300,000 this next year. How many will believe that vision with me today? Will you do that and pray and do those things? 
All right, let me, I'm going to skip the videos, but let me tell you what's going to happen. Two weeks from today, we've been working hard. We're going to implement a new software system in the church. We're already putting it in place now. That'll make all this more convenient for you. Next Sunday, we'll show you a video on texting. Uh, we're going to have a new text to give, a new online way to give. It actually reduces the fees we have to pay for this. How many want more of your money to go where you want it to give instead of online fees? So it reduces that, makes several things simple. So we're starting... Our new software, our new text to give and online giving two weeks from today, second Sunday in October. So make sure you're listening for information. We'll give you videos next week and make it very simple. So we're doing everything we can to be as efficient as possible. So let's look at Matthew chapter 28. I know you thought I forgot about this. Here we are. This is called what? Tell me what this passage is called. I'm about to read. Anybody know? The Great Commission. I saw a graph this month. That stunned me. It said 42% of the people who go to church in America did not know what the Great Commission was. You know what that means? The American church is having an identity crisis. We don't know our job description. It's our commission. It's our mission. It's what Jesus went to the cross and died and was raised from the dead and ascended back into heaven to do. We need to know our marching orders. Who are we? And what's our identity? What are we on this earth to do? Well, let's look at this. Matthew 28 and and verse number 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this all authority, he has this. So what does he tell us to do? That we're in relationship with the God of all authority. He says, Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's our job description? We are to be a part of telling everyone on this planet the good news of Jesus Christ. You and I have the highest calling on this planet. We have meaning in our life that's beyond anything this world can offer you. The Bible even says in 2 Corinthians 5, we're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors. We represent him. We are those who literally distribute the resources of his kingdom. His grace, his mercy, his kindness, salvation. How many are thankful for the high and holy calling on your life? That's who we are. People are always saying to me, Pastor, does my life have meaning? Oh, if we could only see it. Is there a purpose in my life? You heard David and Jennifer. It doesn't matter how you started. It doesn't matter what someone called you or labeled you or limited you with or rejected you. It doesn't matter. When we meet Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, he brings us into the family and says, I have a life for you that's meaningful and powerful. What a gift that God gives us. So there we are. Why are we doing kingdom builders? Because it's our commission. Now let me tell you something. Uh, Here we are in the church. And how many are thankful for a church family? I'm thankful for my church family. What do we find in the church? Man, we find love. We find acceptance. We find community, family. It's a safe place. It's a place where life starts for us. It's a place where you can start over again. It's an amazing thing to be in the family of God. But listen, guys, it's too good to keep to ourselves. See, he didn't say it's just for me or for mine. He said, let everybody know about this. And we have that 
holy privilege. I, I was talking to a couple guys today, men, grown men, right back here in this hall before I came in to start this service. And, and, and we were talking about one, uh, just two weeks ago, one of our guys, men in our church bar, his, his daughter, young daughter in her 20s, suddenly she, would, she passed away. Her heart failed. She was born with, with a heart uh, issue and, and just, but un- so healthy, just gone. Talking to another man dealing with a real crisis in his life. You know what we said right back here in this hall? We said, you know what, guys? It's not always easy. Sometimes life's a rough road, isn't it? But we talked about the family of God. and We stood in that hall and we prayed for each other. Grown men. We weren't afraid to say, I've got some issues I'm facing. We weren't afraid to say, sometimes I hurt. We weren't afraid to say, man, I'm bleeding today. Anybody with me and understand it? We don't come to church and put a mask on. You've got a family. You can be real. There are people when you're weak, somebody's strong. When you feel like that you can't make it, somebody's going to come beside you and say, man, I'm for you. Let's get this done. That's the family of God. What a blessing to have a church family. And I want to say again, there's people around this world that would give anything to get to know Christ. And to have that kind of fellowship. So, so we see our assignment here. Here it is. It, it's amazing. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts the first chapter verse 4. This assignment, this privilege, this holy calling on our life to share the greatest news that anyone has ever heard is so important that after Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, get this, he said, but don't start until you've been empowered. This privilege, this thing we call kingdom builders, this lifestyle of living life at the highest level of not just me and mine and what I can hold on to, but how, how God uses us in our own ways, in our own gifts, right where we live. It's so important that God said, I need to empower you. I I want you to know I'm going to be with you guys. This is where Christianity gets exciting. Can I tell you something? Uh, You know, I I played a lot of sports as as a young guy, and let me tell you something. Getting to play in a game is a lot more exciting than sitting on the bench. How many can tell you that? You know, you, you work hard and you go to practice, and 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 if you're not playing in the game, all you get is good seats. (laughs) You know, you get a sideline pass to watch the game. Let me tell you something. That's not nearly as much fun as being in the game. How many know what I'm talking about? And so, so Jesus said to them, everybody's on the team. And it's so important that I want you to be empowered to do whatever you do, to whatever your place is. See, it, 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 it's not just sending missionaries. Listen, we don't, listen, listen, listen. We don't just send missionaries overseas. We're willing to walk over the street. <laughs> You know, I don't just send a missionary across the ocean. I got to be willing to walk across the street. Anybody with me? See, we're, we're not just trying to send something, uh, you know, around the world. I've got to be willing to walk around the corner where I live. Is anybody with me here? And, and so everybody's place. What about kingdom builders? Well, how, do, how are we going to give $300,000 in next week? It, it's, next week is, is just going to explode. It's, it's going to be amazing. Uh, we make our pledges for the next year. So, so how do I come a part of that, Pastor? You know, I don't know. What does God tell you to do? What's your best? Is it $5 uh, you know, a week? Is it $100 a week? Is it a percentage of your business? To do $300,000, everybody in the, in, is going to have to get on this team. Can somebody say amen to that? And everybody's going to be important to make this thing happen. Jesus said, this is so important to reach this world. Before you go, you need to do something. Look in Acts 1 verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them. What was the occasion? He had died on the cross. Three days later, he'd been raised from the dead. This is in that 40-day period after the resurrection. 
before he ascended back to heaven where he's making sure everybody clearly knew he was alive, right? So he did things like eat with them and talk with them and said, here, touch my side where the spear went in. Look at the scars on my hand. I'm, I'm the guy they killed, but I'm alive now, okay? So he says this. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, okay? For John uh, baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, does anybody, I, I got to stop for a minute. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Could you let that sink in for a minute? Ordinary guys like you and me. Okay, we, we know what it's like to be baptized in water. That's an amazing moment. A public profession is powerful. But guys, what you do in your life as a Christian is so dynamic. It's so important to God. And you're such an uh, irreplaceable part of the kingdom that he says, I want you to have this encounter with God. Are you listening? Where you're baptized literally in the Holy Spirit. Where, and, and, and when that happens, let, let's watch this. I want to come back to this baptism thing. Verse 6, so when they met together, they said, okay, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for an earthly king to overthrow Rome. So they said, okay, great. We like this, this power and all this stuff. So you're going to do something right here, right now with an earthly kingdom? Look at this. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. How many understand? Let's leave the dates, the timing to God, and let's do what we're supposed to do right now. So they said, he said, don't worry about that. He said, look at this. But this is what you need to concentrate on. He said, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were then. He said, you'll go to Judea. you go to Samaria. You won't stop till you go to the ends of the earth. So power comes. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many of you today would say, Pastor, I need spiritual power to live this Christian life. Has anybody found out it's impossible to live in your own strength? Anybody tried to do it without Jesus? It's not going to work. So watch this. Come on, this is exciting. We are going to be, we can be, it's available to every one of us to literally have an encounter with God where you're baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, we, we're so churchy and dignified and honestly to me that's code for petrified in church see see it's it's so you know sterile and contained look we we have a baptismal tank it's over here in this far corner because we this wasn't originally planned to be our worship center but look we'll make lemonade out of lemons we just go for it come on the next one's coming soon so so what we we roll this right up here and it gets kind of messy we baptize people up here. We fill that up. It comes up here. We baptize people and the water sloshes out. And we got good ushers. They're mopping down here. And we got carpet for people to walk on so they don't slip. And it's wet and sloppy and sloshy. And I get wet baptizing people. And it just kind of gets all over the place. And, and you know, so, so I think about that and Holy Spirit baptism and water baptism. And, and here's what happens. We talk about being spirit-filled Christians. Okay? I, I think we might should think about this for a minute in light of what we see in water baptism I think more importantly than telling me you're spirit filled I'd like to know your spirit spilled I, I, I said that on purpose spirit spilled what does it mean I mean we, we, we ought to have enough encounter with God 
where what's going on in our life, part of my language, you, you theologians aren't going to like it, but that's your problem, not mine. All right. I'm going to pretend I don't see that mean mug face you're making right now. I just, I didn't see it. So, so, you know, we, we need to have some, we need to have enough of the Holy Spirit's presence operating in us in this great commission kingdom builder lifestyle that we're getting Holy Spirit sloppy sometimes. Well, no, I don't mean, that doesn't mean crazy. That means you've got so much on you, it's spilling over on the people around you. I mean, somebody comes around you and you walk in work tomorrow, they, they get, you got them wet. You know, you sloppy. What's, you know, they, you come home from church today and people say, well, what happened to you? You, now look, it, it may not be this obvious. I'll never forget, we were having a tent revival one time. Indicator, in this era, at this time, having a tent revival over on our property because the, the little, auditorium we had we're building the new one big enough so we rented a tent and it rained like a monsoon all right so the water's running that deep under the tent people are sitting with their feet up on the chairs i'm looking at all the cables and the wires you know for the sound something dear god don't let us get electrocuted tents packed full of people and of all people it's jesse duplantis preaching it's filled this was when people used to dress up for church you understand anybody remember when you know Dress up, ladies wore dress. Okay, so he says, I feel like we should pray for for ladies that are here tonight. Your husbands aren't Christians. You're praying for your husband. You want to see him saved, and and we want to agree with you and just see God come in your home and do a great work. Well, these nice ladies, you know, they didn't walk up to the front. They sloshed, whoosh, 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 whoosh. got up the front. There they are. And I didn't think about what was going to happen next. So here we are. I mean, we're in a flood. I'm telling you, it's that deep. It's just a flood through there. And these ladies standing in their high heels and their nice dress. And, and, and Jesse said, I'm going to pray with you. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit came on those ladies. And just like you're reading the Bible, like a lot of times, all of a sudden, poosh. I said, oh, no. I mean, they're splashing. Just, oh, Lord, boom. And then, and my first thought is, see, because I'm the pastor, he's evangelist, he's going to leave, I'm the pastor. And I'm going, dear God, their husbands aren't Christians. They're going to go home from church soaking wet. Their husband's going to look at him and say, what in the world have you been doing? What happened to you? What's wrong with that church? So I get the usher. So we're trying to catch them when they fall so they don't go in the water. But then how long can you hold them? You know what I mean? They're just... And then, he, then there, was a, there was a lot of ladies that night that wanted to pray for their husband because we ran out of ushers. So they're falling. We're holding. And they're looking at me. I'm like, I don't know. Just lay them down soft. So we just laid them in the water. And, you know, and the lightweight, pardon me, the lightweighted ladies, they're, they're starting to float out of the tent. I think you can't make this stuff up. I'm like, Jesus, help us. I mean, it was great, but it was great. It was just great. It was great. And so, so I thought about that at the time. Sometimes, not the physical water, but don't you want an encounter with God? That's not just, you know, plain and simple. Where it invades your normal. Come on, anybody hungry besides me? Where, where, where God steps in and, and you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, you get wet, you get drenched, you, you, you get spiritually messed up. Does anybody, you wonder, am I communicating? You, you get spiritually messed up. Your, your fancy gets wet and your hunger gets fed and you, you just get sloshy baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I've got to go on. Okay. I, I hope you're, do, 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 that's what we need.
And God says, if we'll do his work and, 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 and fulfill our job assignment, he said, I'm going to walk in this thing and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you. It's not just going to be you trying harder. It's just not going to be you doing a human thing. You're, you're going to go in my strength. And where you go, the Holy Spirit, you may not see it, but he's there. And he overflows on people. You're spilled. You're, you, okay, you, you got, I, I hope you go to work tomorrow and just flood the place. I hope the kids go to school tomorrow. And you don't have to, you don't have to force it and convince people if he's with you, he's with you. How many know what I'm saying? It's just the overflow. Of God's presence. So I, I want to take you to a familiar passage just for the next few minutes to illustrate this, what I'm talking about. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. You, this is so familiar, you almost don't want to go there as a pastor. Everybody's read it. There's 386,000 sermons preached on it. Everybody's got their take on the Good Samaritan. But there are a couple of things I don't think we see here. It starts with a question, and, and, and this, this, this man has... And it leads to some amazing insight about how God looks at things, about kingdom builders. Who are kingdom builders? Where are kingdom builders in this parable? See, the whole account's not a parable. Jesus gave a parable to illustrate a point, but it was a real encounter with a man that launched it. Now, you know what, you know what the Ten Commandments, this Good Samaritan thing's about. Let me give you a real quick, I got to tell on myself, it, it was almost, it was comical, but kind of crazy. So I'm, I know I'm preaching on a good Samaritan, okay? I'm driving to church this morning early. And I, I know what I'm about to teach. And I'm driving, and, and, and as I, I'm, I'm not eight blocks from my house, coming out of my subdivision. And I look, and there on the corner is the guy. And you know what the good Samaritan's about, right? So I look, and there he is. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Because I know this guy, okay? Okay, you understand? I, I know him. This, this is a guy. He, uh, he... Can't get a driver's license. Okay. So he has to walk. So that tells you a little bit. And uh, so, so the last time I saw him, I was walking in Publix, which I thank God my wife does a lot of great things and I don't go in Publix much. In fact, I go in Publix and the little ladies are like, can I help you? Because I'm just walking around lost, you know, looking. I think. And I got the phone. You know how you have to call. I'm that guy at the grocery store. Honey, what road do you say is on there? Nine. There's coffee on this road. This isn't, okay, I'll go. So, so the little ladies say, can I help you? Yes, ma'am, I need to find. So they guide me around. So I'm going in public, which is a rare occasion. And I'm at the front door and there he is. And this is his inside voice. Hey, Brother George. Hallelujah, brother. I can't believe I saw you here today. We're blocking the whole front door public. Now that's his low voice. You understand what I'm saying? So for the next 15 minutes, I'm, I'm going to talk to him because that's what I do. I'm at chief. Oh, man. Okay. So that's, I'm driving here today. I had already had, there's a, another church in the area, a major crisis. I'll say some more about later. I'm not privileged now. And, and I've got three or four phone calls I hadn't planned to do today. So you understand it was everything, everything's going and I'm trying to get here and, and, and I'm trying to help another situation. I'm in a, a huge crisis and some work and three or four phone calls here. So I get in the car, I'm coming and I'm driving and, and I'm, I'm a little late and I'm like, oh, there he is. And he, and I waved at him, he waved at me. And, and my first thought, well, you know, he's, look, he's dressed nice. Somebody's going to take, take me to church. And, and, I, and I drive out a block and the Holy Spirit says, you know, you're preaching on the Good Samaritan. I said, I know that. 
And you just drove by. I know that. So I turn around. Had to go behind the apartment building, in through the alleyway, down around, you know, over the hills, through the dell. I only went two blocks. I turned around. I turned around. Okay. And when I got back, he was gone. I'm like, what is that? Then I think, did his ride come and pick him up? And I think, was there an angel? And you just seen if I was going to do the right thing? I went back, God. I promise you saw me. I turned around. I went right there and went back. Listen, I was going to bring him. I would have done it. But it's going to be a challenge. Because he talks like that. And he's going to be sitting right there. Real loud. You understand what I'm saying? It was going to be a trip coming to church today. But I turned around. <laughs> okay. So here's the guy. No, no, don't clap. It took me a block. I was slow, but I got there. Okay. I think I'm okay. I hope I'm okay. All right. I got to be honest. I'm just being transparent. All right. Luke 10. Watch this. Let's, let's hurry. This guy has a question, but really there's another important one that comes up out of this. Okay. Watch this. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up and what does the Bible said? Was, what was his motive? Was he sincerely? It says he just wanted to test Jesus. But look at this question. The question almost everybody's asked at one time in their life. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, I want to go to heaven. How do I get there? That was the question. Everybody in this room wants to know that. Everybody I know wants to know it. He said, so Jesus, how do I get to heaven? And so, uh, verse 25, Jesus says to him, what is written? Okay. How do you read it? Let me help. Can I help you with something? Listen, don't ever forget this. When Jesus asks a question, he's never looking for information. He already knows the answer. You, you get that? There's not a thing you and I'll ever do. When Jesus asks a question, he's making a point to us. You got me? Okay. D don't ever forget that. So he says, so what's written? The guy says, well, verse 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, bingo, A+. plus." He said, you've answered correctly, but look at this. <laughs> Here's the part the guy didn't count on. He thought it was all about knowledge, all about what I know. And Jesus said, you answered right. He said, now, what does it say? Do this and you'll live. Now the guy goes, oh my goodness. So what does he do? Verse 29, he says, but he wanted to justify himself. He said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is getting close to home. Let, let, let's put some limits on this. Come on, what do you mean? You know, love God, all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then love your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, yeah, that's it. Now go do it. And the guy goes, whoa, wait, 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 wait. That's pretty open-ended. That's kind of risky. So he says this, so who is my neighbor? So he want to justify himself. Let's, so you, you know what he's doing. He, he does what we do. Let's define neighbor. I mean, they are within four blocks. Is there people in my family? Is there people that look like me? We, 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 come on, this is getting scary. Let's define neighbor here, Jesus. So watch this very quickly. What happened? He said, I want to go to heaven. How do I go to heaven? Jesus said, what does the Bible say? And he answered, so what was the correct answer? How do you and I go to heaven? It's not by what we do. It's not doing first. It's loving first. He said, you've got to know God. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus said, I'm the way to the Father. Do you know how you and I go to heaven? Because through Christ, we meet God. Love. And you know what happens if I really love God? What's going to happen? I'm going to start to do what? 
love people. In fact, 1 John 4.20 says, if we say we love God who we've not seen, and we don't love the people we have seen, then we make ourselves out to be a liar. Christianity has nothing to do with theory. Christianity is reality. It is love in motion. And so how do you and I go to heaven? We love God. And because we love him, we love people around us. That's the doing. The doing flows out of the loving. Do you know that you can do a lot of things? That's what cults do. They try to earn their way to heaven. It's not what you do. It's the God that you love and know that motivates everything that's acceptable in his sight. Anybody with me on this right now? So if I love God, I'm going to love the people around me. Everybody agree with that? But it starts with the people closest to me. See, if we say I love everybody, that probably means you don't love anybody. I just love the people in Romania. You don't know anybody in Romania. Therefore, you can't love the people in Romania. It's not threatening to love Romanians you never met. Let me tell you where it starts. First, love your spouse. I, okay, let me... Let, let. I can't go to church, raise my hand, sing, shout, dance, woo, hallelujah, Bible with my name on it, all this stuff. I got you version on my phone. I, I, you know, I am a millennial, mid-baby, boomer, buster, goer, Flyer, Generation X, Y, Z, L, B, Q, R. I, I, and, 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 and you do all this here and you walk out in the car. I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know why I married you. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be going to hell right now. I'll tell you one thing. You good for nothing, right? According to the word, somebody needs to get right with God. Am I right or wrong? Okay, then it's my family around me. See, if I love God, I love people. If I've got the vertical going right, I've got the horizontal going according to God. And we can say it from another side. If I don't love people, I'm not loving God the way I should. It's that plain and simple. You can't divorce those two things. So, come on, let me, let me do this and I'll get through Go on. Because I, if I love God, I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to love... You say, well, pastor, if they're not lovable, well, neither were we. You think any of us earned heaven? You think any of us were worthy of the cross? Do you not remember the mess you were? The hell hole part? I'm not cursing. You crawled out of to get to the cross? Come on, man. But he did it. Okay. So we love our spouse. We love our children. We love our family. Okay, get ready, 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 ready. You love your church family. That was... Hmm. You love the people that sit where you like to sit on Sunday. You love the people that parked in your parking place. You love the people that don't sit in your section. <laughs> you, you, you love it's your church family. And if somebody comes up to you and starts wanting to talk about someone in your church family, you say, not here, pal. We don't talk about one another. We love one another. We're the family of God. Listen, if this love thing doesn't work this way, it's not working that way. See, in church, church has a, has a you know, people think in church, they get to, the Bible says gossip, God despises that. But Christians try to get around it because they say, I'm not gossiping, I'm giving you a prayer request. Look, I don't, I don't want to gossip. But I heard the other night, you see her sitting over there, you know what they told me she did? No, we're not, I'm just wanting you to pray for her, okay? That's why I'm telling you. Why don't you pray and zip it? You don't have to tell anybody else. Or, 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 I'm going to upset a few. You're not Catholic. You don't have to pray through Mary to get to God, okay? You don't have to go tell your gossip friend what it is to get a hold of Jesus. Why don't you just pray for them without taking a gossip confessional booth to get there? Okay, I can tell that was over good. 
Somebody's got to say it. Thank you. I'm doing my best. All right. So if you go to church here, we're not going to talk about you. We're going to love you. If you make a mistake, we're going to pick you up. If you fall down and blow it, we're going to help you get back on. You know what? Because we are who we are by the grace of God. We don't condone it, but we're not going to condemn you either. Did you hear that? We don't condone your failure, but we're not going to condemn you. We're going to say, let's get this thing up. Let's get it back on the rails and let's go. So look at this real quickly. So he says, who is my neighbor? He said, this is scary. I mean, I didn't know I gave the right answer because now I've got to do what I said. I've got to love my neighbor like I love myself. Did you get that? So in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go by, go down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. God, I turned around and went back. Okay, I just want everything to be sure. All right. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these? Now, Jesus looks at the man. He said, okay, you asked me, who's my neighbor? So let me ask you another question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. What could he do? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus does it again. Jesus told him, then you go and you do likewise. Why do we do kingdom builders? Who are we? There are four people in this account. Which one are we? They're the thieves, the robbers, the con artists, the hackers, the, the scammers, those people of the day. You know those people are? They're lazy people. Who can't get their own job, so they want to steal what you work for. Thieves. Then there's the victims. We all know what it's like. Somebody stepped on my dream, crushed my dream, broke my heart, robbed my dignity, abused me as a child, and stole from me things that should never have been touched. The victims. Then there's the other guys, the priests and the Levite. Who are they? They are the self-centered religious people who had a chance to do something. You got me? Who walked by and saw the man, the priest, the priest, and saw him. Do you know in the Jewish law it says if you even find your neighbor's beast, his animal, lying down, you have to go get that animal out of the dish before you can go on with your business, much less another human being. The priest looked at that man and walked on by. The Levite, who's the tribe of Levi, the, the, it was the, the Levites from whom the priests were taken and they served in the temple. This man was probably either going to Jerusalem for his duty or had just done it and was going home. And he sees him and just walks by. Can I tell you something? Education, religious education is important. After God saved me and called me and I changed my career path and transferred from one college to another college, all my uh, higher education degrees are in Bible and theology and study. I study the word. I have an education. I love it. I study every day. I research. I pray. I study. I read. I, I do this. It's what I'm called to do. But let me tell you something. Just head knowledge of the scripture is not enough. 
You see, they had the knowledge, the, 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 the expert that asked him the question, he knew the answers, but he didn't have the action. The information in his head had not moved to his heart. He had an education about Jesus, but he had never encountered Jesus. And guys, it's not how much you know. It's the encounter with Jesus that revolutionizes your life and moves you from a self-centered religious person to somebody who's willing to get in the dirt and the blood and do what God put us on this earth to do that's who we are that's what that's what kingdom builders is all about so there's the thieves and the robbers the lazy people they're the victims that come from them they're the self-centered religious that can't get it done and then of all people the one who acted like Jesus who loved like Jesus was the Samaritan a Samaritan was the child produced in the intermarriage between a Jew and a Gentile. The Jews despised them. They limited them. They wouldn't talk to them. The man that this Samaritan helped probably would not have even spoken to him had they passed on the road without this crisis. But the Samaritan goes to him. The Samaritans were labeled and limited and pushed to the edges of society. They were categorized. They were rejected. They were born with two strikes against them. They, this was not the classic hero. This was not the one that should have been doing what he did. But evidently, like you and me, you know who we are? We're the Samaritans. We're the Samaritans. What do you mean, Pastor? It means the Bible says, I was born in sin. That we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that George Sawyer left to himself is limited and a liability and invaluable and, and not able to do it. But when we meet Jesus, when we have our encounter, when we were the one laying in the blood and the mud left for dead. And Jesus walked out of heaven and put on our skin in the virgin birth and lived on this planet and died on our cross. If he could find me dying on the side of the road, then when I'm going down my journey and I see someone there it's my responsibility to stop and say what God gave me I'm going to give you I know what it's like to be there come on you've been there I've been there we've been on this as David said BC before Christ who had a BC life huh <laughs> how many are glad we don't know about that in this room today see that's one of the things I don't have time I'm not even going to go there it's too late all right listen here's the deal Guys, what's kingdom builders? It's the Samaritan. It's you and me who know what it's like to have had no hope, to be lost, to be beaten up and used and thrown away. And now what do we do? We're willing to stop on our plans and help this guy. And the Bible says that when he stopped it, I read it a moment ago, it said he poured on oil and wine. Not a little bit, he poured it on. And then he picked him up and he put him on his donkey. I mean, you know, you found a guy and it's not enough you stopped and helped him. He's beaten and bladed and massive. And you know, you just had your Lexus detailed. He can't be bleeding on the leather. God's going to make a mess here. Here, wait a minute. Let me get a blanket. You ride in the trunk. I, I, I want to help you. You can't get up here. I mean, you're bleeding. I, I can't stop and pick this guy up, take him to church today, because he's going to talk my ear off before I get there. But you know what? I wasn't driving my car. I was driving the car God gave me. 
And I wasn't on my time. I was on his time. And I'm not a paid professional to do what I do. Because I was doing this before somebody took the major risk to ask me to be their pastor. I was doing this on street corners. I was doing this in nursing homes. I was doing this in jails before I ever did it here. I get paid for what I have to do Monday through Saturday, not for Sunday. So I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Just lighten up. Okay. People say, I wish I was a pastor. I only work one day a week. You got no idea. This is free. It's Monday through Saturday. Anyway, so, so here's the deal. We stop. We pour out. Because you know what? We've been forgiven, haven't we? We know what unlimited love is like, so we give it away. We know what mercy is like, so we give it away. We know what grace is like, so we give it away. And we don't just dabble it, we pour it on. And then we reach in our pocket. You reach in your pocket. Did you get that? He reached in his pocket. And he didn't just have a theory of helping. He said, here's my money. Do you know what two denarii are? Two denarii is a quarter of a year's wages. And he gave it to the man. And then he said this and took the limit off and gave him a blank check. And he said, in anything you spend over that, I'm coming back and I'll pay you back. That's a Samaritan. Why did the Samaritan do it when the others hadn't? I guess the others didn't realize what their condition really was. But the Samaritan knew what it was like to be on the wrong side of the cross, of the gospel, of society, of culture. And he knew what it was like to find acceptance and love and forgiveness for the first time in his life. And really what I'm telling you today about my encounter this morning, I thought was very interesting. I'd never seen that guy before, but the day I'm preaching this, here he was. Never seen him out on a Sunday. But you know why I really told you that story? Because right now as I end, I want to tell you this. That just like I had an opportunity to turn around and go back, you can do the same thing today. You can turn around and go back. You can turn around and go back. So, well, Pastor, I've never been a Samaritan. Well, you can turn around and go back today. Well, Pastor, I, I, I've never realized that's who I am. Well, good news for you. You can turn around and go back. It's not too late. You can be the person you always wanted to be. You can be the person God put you on this planet to be. You can turn around and go back because you're a Samaritan. You're a kingdom builder. You're a person God put on this planet at this time to live your life at the highest level and stop living with your limits and start being who God called us to be. I want you to stand with me. I want to pray with you. I've gone over a few minutes. Thank you for your attention. Let's, let's pray before we move. Come on, let me pray for you. Such an important moment. I don't know... <laughs> seems like we fight our whole life not to be the Samaritan. We don't want to be the rejected person. We don't want to be the outcast. We don't want to be the person with the limits and the labels. I understand that. We want to be accepted. We'll do anything in the world to appear like it's all okay. But most of us know deep down inside, it's not okay. And we've had to pray the very same prayers that everyone else does. God, please heal me where I'm broken. God, please deliver me where I've gotten bound. You know, for David and Jennifer, drug and alcohol addiction is a little easier to see, isn't it? I mean, there are a lot of addictions in our culture today that you can't see that easy. You can't see them. Depression, fear, hatred, prejudice, pornography. They go on and on. Greed. They're just, it's just like those spirits those attacks of Satan are just so prevalent. But you know what I found? <laughs> I found that when I really gave my life to Jesus, man, I was a mess. You know what he did? He saved me. 
And he washed me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, you talk about something that'll take some stains out. And then you know what he did? He baptized me with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I got sloppy Christian at that point in time. I mean, I got torn up. He messed me up. He changed my career. <laughs> I had to change colleges. He, I, I, I started loving people I'd never loved before. I, he messed me up in the greatest way I've ever been messed up in my life. And you know what I pray all the time? God, please don't let me forget where you brought me from. What you did for me. How you took me, 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 God, and baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Made me a sloppy spirit Christian. <laughs> Where every once in a while somebody actually says, you know, I've talked to you and I've, I felt Jesus was with us. And I just say, thank you, God. You prayed for me and I felt Jesus with us. Thank you, God. Because it takes everybody. You know people I don't know. You live where I don't live. You got guys standing on the corner in your subdivision that I don't drive by, but you do. We got people in Africa, one more village. We found out last week we'd gotten Bibles to a new village, and then we found out there's one more on the other side that nobody's ever gone to. There's always going to be another village, so we're just going to keep doing what we do. Living our life at the highest level. Being Samaritans. Stopping and going in the ditch. Getting in the blood and the mess. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. That's life at the highest level. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today. I want to thank you for the men and women of God in this room today. Lord, what you've done for us. How you've changed us. Transformed us. Oh, we're not perfect. We're, we're under construction. But we're not who we were when we came to you. And we're not yet who we're going to be, but we're on the way. And we thank you for it today. And Lord, I don't want to be a thief. And I don't want to be, uh, live like a victim the rest of my life. And I, 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 don't, I don't want to be religiously self-centered. I don't want to get just enough of you to take care of me. I want you to be spilled out of my life everywhere I go. Lord, make me a Samaritan. doesn't matter what anyone else says about me or about us, about what we do. It matters, did we do what you would do? Did we see what you saw? Did we feel what you felt? Did we respond the way you would respond? Lord, when you find those people on this planet, you go to work with them. <laughs> it's an amazing journey of faith. It, it never ends. And Lord, we volunteer today. We say we want to be the Samaritan in this story. We want to be the person that did what you would have us to do. Lord, we don't want to just love in words. and words. We want to love indeed. We just surrender ourselves. Maybe you've never done this and nobody else needs to do it. Eyes are closed. We're praying. But you know, would you just lift a hand or both hands? I'm going to lift both and just say, Lord, here's my life. If you want to surrender to him just right where you are, say, Lord, here I am. Lord, I surrender. I say to you that, that I'm not perfect, but I want you to use me. I want to be a part of what you do. I'll, I don't want to forget where I came from. Lord, here's my life. I surrender. I come to you. I yield to you, God. I, I say, here's my heart and life. Use me, God. God, use this church as kingdom builders, as Samaritans to make a way where there's no way, God. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes in Jesus' name.